You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, grab your Bibles, if you would. Look with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. This morning, we're continuing on in this series that um, we've been in for the past few weeks called Encountered by Jesus as we're talking about these different encounters of how Jesus encountered like normal, ordinary folks like yourself, right? Here's the good news. I've said this throughout this series. Just as Jesus encountered individuals as recorded in Scripture, so he's encountering people today. Can I get an amen on that? So turn to your neighbors and say this to them. Live in expectation. Go ahead and tell them. I believe we should live every day in expectation of this. Jesus wants to encounter us. Listen, it's not just a Sunday thing, right? It's not just a religious thing. When we, you know, this is, what, this is what we do. We get encountered by Jesus one hour on Sunday morning as we gather in the sanctuary. No, I believe that Jesus wants to encounter you on a daily basis as you're processing through life. He wants to meet you in uh, the challenging places as well as the good places. So we've been looking at these encounters. And today we want to talk about something that we all have in common being failure. How many of you would say that you failed at least once in your life? We're not going to talk about how many times you failed, but let's just say it's once. I would assume that everyone had their hands raised because we all fail, right? And we all will fail. And I don't want to be like negative this morning, but it's true because this is what I know. You're human. I'm human. And part of that is the frailty of our humanity, um, man, we are challenged. We are challenged and that we don't always get it right. We don't always do right. So the question for me this morning is not, will you fail? I already have the answer to that. The question is, is what are you going to do when you do fail? How are you going to respond to Jesus? And how are you going to allow Jesus to respond to you in those places of failure. So the question again, it's not whether you will fail or you won't fail. The question is, is how are you going to respond when you fail? Will, you, will the failure you experience lift you or disqualify you? Will, it, will you quit or will you get up and move forward with greater hope? On August the 6th, 1999, so think back about 21 years, a Major League Baseball player stepped up the home plate in Montreal and he made another out. Get this, it was the 5,113th out of his professional career. I mean, that's a lot of trips to the batter's box without a hit. If, if a player made all of those outs consecutively and he averaged four bats per game, uh, he would play eight seasons without ever reaching first base. I mean, that would be a little discouraging. Eight seasons. Well, on that night... Was this player discouraged? No, actually he wasn't. Did he think he failed himself or his team? No, he didn't. You see, earlier in the game, in his first plate appearance, that player reached a milestone that only 21 other people have reached in the history of baseball. He made his 3,000th hit. Um, his name's Tony Gwynn. He played at that time for the San Diego Padres. During that game, Tony got on base with with hits four times and five tries, but that's not the norm. Usually, he fails to get a hit two times out of three attempts. Think about that, two times. In other words, he strikes out every two times. Uh, if he goes to the plate three times, he's going to strike out twice. And Tony recognizes that, that to get hits, he has to make a lot of outs. 
Interesting. To reach his success, he had to experience a lot of failure. And I would say, I would say this morning, the same is true for each of us. In life, we fail, and in a relationship with Jesus, we fail because we're, we're frail, faulty human beings. But the good news with Jesus, here's the good news it, with Jesus, it's not three strikes and you're out, right? How I many of you know if it was three strikes and you're out, we would all be, yeah, game over, right? If it was three strikes and out, we would, we would, all, be, we would all be finished, but with Jesus, and because of the wonder of his grace, there's always hope. There's always hope beyond their failure. So encourage your neighbor this morning. Turn to them and say, hey, there's hope beyond your failure. Go ahead and tell them. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. It's words of life to them. There's hope. There's hope beyond your failure. We, we see the reality of this in the, in the Jesus encounter that we're going to look at today. There's a story recorded in the Bible of a man who failed miserably. He did what he said he wouldn't do, and as a result of his failure, it brought great grief. And we're going to see in the scripture, he was, wrecked by his, he was wrecked by his failure. He actually thought that his failure had disqualified him and that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with him. Again, it's that mentality of three strikes and you're, and you're out. But that's the exact opposite of what happened. And Jesus redeemed his failure. Jesus restored him to relationship. Jesus actually used his failure to make him a better man and a better leader. The man's name is Peter, and his story of failure is recorded in Luke 22, verse 54. As we pick up the story there, this is the context of the story. Jesus has just been arrested. And we're in the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers come. They arrest Jesus. He's been taken into custody and then this is what happens in the story. Verse 54 says, Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, notice, followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man, speaking of Peter, this man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Notice verse 62. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. Wrecked. Wrecked by his failure. Can you imagine the emotions Peter must have been experiencing? Like he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. He, he wanted to be strong. He wanted to stand with Jesus and for Jesus. But when the pressure was on, he caved. When the pressure was on, he failed. He denied knowing Jesus not once, but three times. Possibly, possibly it happened something like this. Watch this video.
They say a rooster crowing is God's wake-up call. Yeah, that's, uh, at least that's the way it was for me. Everything, that, that whole night was a blur, all right? Um, I didn't comprehend, none of us could comprehend everything that was going on, all right? We were all in the upper room, Jesus was washing our feet. Um, then we were in the garden, Jesus goes off to pray by himself. I fell asleep, I'm not proud of it, I had a big meal, bread makes me sleepy. Next thing we know, me, James, and John, Jesus is in our face, and he's trying to wake us up, and uh, he said, um, what is he? he said, uh, the, the, uh, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, and, and then before we know it, Judas is kissing Jesus on the cheek, I try to go help him, I cut off this guard's ear, for the record, I wasn't aiming for his ear, I'm a fisherman, not a swordsman. Then they, uh, they arrest Jesus and they take him off. And we, we ran. And it wasn't but two hours earlier that we were in the upper room. I was looking at him. I was looking him right in the eye saying, if everyone disowns you, Jesus, I won't. I'm with you. I love you. And I think that's what made me stop, turn around, go back. And uh, I caught a glimpse of Jesus as they were taking him to the high priest's house. He stood at the gate, and some girl comes up to me, starts pointing at me, starts going, you, you're with him. You're with this man that claims to be the son of God. You're one of his disciples. I felt like every eye was on me. So I just brushed her off. I said, you don't know what you're talking about. You got the wrong guy. I get my way into the courtyard, and uh, it's cold. I, I try to warm up by the fire. And then there's this guy that recognizes me, and he is uh, from the ear incident, you know, and starts going, get him, get him. He's with him. Just arrest him. Get him. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about, all right? I wasn't with him. It was easier the second time to deny him. It was some time right before morning, and um, this wise guy, he comes up to me and goes, who are you kidding, all right? Who are you fooling? You're with him. I can tell by your accent. I'm like, this is just the way I talk, all right? And, and the whole night, they kept pushing him around. They kept beating him. They kept spitting on him, throwing insults at him. And I couldn't take it anymore. I had enough. I was tired of people accusing me, looking at me. And I, and I just I said a few things that I'm not proud of. And I was like, leave him alone. You don't know what you're doing, all right? Just leave him alone. I wasn't with him. And that's when I heard the most blood-curdling sound that I ever heard in my whole life. I heard that rooster crow. And at that moment, Jesus, he turns around and he looks at me. He looks at me. And his gaze, you can't escape his gaze. I mean, when his eyes are on you, you cannot escape it. And they arrested him and they took him off. I will die with you, Jesus. If, everyone, if everybody disowns you, I will die with you. What a, what a joke. I mean, what would you do? 
At that moment, at that time, I ran. I ran so fast, I ran so long. And you know what they did? They killed him. He's dead. Peter's failure, from what we read in verse 62, was obviously painful. He went out and he wept bitterly. Possibly, this was like one of the lowest points of Peter's life. As we unpack his failure, what we discover is that, is that first Peter was confident that he wouldn't fail. I mean, like he told Jesus in the upper room as they were celebrating the Last Supper, Passover, he said, you know, Jesus, if, if everyone else leaves, I, I'll not leave. Like, I'm, I'm willing even to die for you. That was, that was the statement that he made. Obviously, Peter didn't realize his own weakness. Peter didn't realize his, his own potential for failure. If you, if you look back to the story, what you'll discover is that, that Peter actually set himself up for the failure. The gospel here in, in Luke, as well as in John, the scripture tells us that, that Peter was warming himself at the fire with the very officials who had arrested Jesus. He was hanging out with the wrong crowd. Not only that, but he had isolated himself from the other disciples. He was, he was all alone. And although Peter was trying to do the right thing, he found himself at the wrong place at the wrong time, hanging out with the wrong people. And before he knew it, he was saying the wrong things. He denied even knowing Jesus three times. When the rooster crowed, Peter was reminded. He recalled the words of Jesus and he realized what he had done and he was devastated. He was, he was wrecked by his failure. He was crushed by his own weakness and what he had done. Like, like how could he deny the one he loved, the one he was ready to give his life for? Feel the emotion of that. If we look on in Peter's story, what we discover is that Peter thought his failure was like the end. He thought his failure was, was not redeemable. And following Jesus' crucifixion, Peter tells the, the other disciples that he's going fishing. Peter's returning to the only trader business that, that he knew. And the scripture doesn't specifically reveal this. But it's almost like Peter saying, since I've disqualified myself from being disciple of Jesus, I'm going to go back to the only thing that I know, and that's fishing. Like, what else do I have? It's what I know. It's what I'm familiar with. No longer can I be a follower of Jesus. I mean, my failure was, was so great. Yeah, I think that, that Peter thought his failure and his denial of Jesus was the end. Like, how could Jesus ever want to even be around Peter, much less restore him as, the, as his disciple? But then there's this hinge point in the story. There's this encounter. We pick up the encounter in, in John's gospel. It's recorded both in Luke and in John's gospel. It's here that we have what I believe is an amazing picture of grace. In Jesus' encounters, what do we experience? We experience grace. And what we discover is that, is that Jesus actually pursued Peter in his failure. 
And following the crucifixion and resurrection, Peter and the, some of the other disciples went back to the region of Galilee. They knew that Jesus had been crucified. They had gained information. They knew that he had resurrected. But ne- what do you do next? So they go back to the region of, of Galilee, and, and Peter's going to go fishing. That's what we've already talked about. Well, what's interesting, I think, in this story is that Jesus goes looking for Peter. Jesus actually pursues Peter in his failure. You know, as I was thinking about that, there's a consistent pattern in Scripture, and it's this. It's God going after individuals in the failure. Think about what happened in the fall in Genesis 3. Was Adam looking for God, or was God looking for Adam? Remember the story? But Adam was hiding, right? And God went in pursuit of Adam and his failure. I was thinking of the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. As the son returns, think about this and all of the mess. Who's watching, waiting, looking, anticipating the return of his son? It's the father, right? And the scripture says, if you read the parable, that the father actually runs to the son. I think it's interesting in this Jesus encounter that Jesus is pursuing Peter in his failure. And what was good news for Peter is good news for us today. Just as Jesus pursued Peter in his failure, so he does the same for us today. So Jesus doesn't give up on us because we fail. He doesn't reject us because of our failure. Just as Jesus pursued Peter in his failure, hear me, here's the good news. He pursues you in your failure. He's not running from you, friend. An amazing picture of grace. I mean, think about, let's just be honest this morning. Think about how messed up you are. It's not like you're like, well, you know, I failed once in my life. No, it's something you deal with every day. If you don't believe it, if you're married, just ask your mate. (laughs) It is a reality in our lives. Yet here's this. For me, it's this amazing picture of Jesus pursuing Peter in his failure, in his denial. And that's the same that Jesus does for us. Although Peter's given up on himself, Jesus hadn't given up on Peter. In John 21, 15 through 18, I'm not going to read that passage of Scripture. You can read it later, but it's this dialogue between Jesus and Peter. And three times Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you, you, know, I, you know I love you. Each time Peter communicates his love for Jesus, it's in this dialogue that Peter is restored to relationship and reinstated as a disciple. And what Jesus knew is that there was hope beyond Peter's failure. Although Peter had given up on himself, Jesus had not given up on Peter. And restores him back to relationship. And just as there was hope, beyond Peter's failure, so there's hope beyond air failure. Listen, don't believe the lie of the enemy that tells you that your failure has ended the possibility of relationship with Jesus, because that's the way it works. I've, I've experienced it in my own life, and I can't tell you in my years of pastoral ministry how many people I've sat in my office with 
who have believed the lie of the enemy. And the lie of the enemy is this, that you're, because of your failure, you're a loser. Because of your failure, God doesn't want anything to do with you. Because of your failure, because of what you've done, like God's removed himself from, that's the lie of the enemy, right? And, and the, challenge, the challenge comes when we, when we actually believe the lie. Hey, Peter, Peter had given up on himself, but Jesus had not given up on Peter, and Jesus has not given up on you either. For some of you this morning, that may be a word of life for you. Listen, Jesus has not given up on you. And he's running toward you. He's not running from you. There was hope in the future because Jesus' grace was greater than Peter's failure. Peter thought his failure was so great and what he did was so bad that Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with him. He was confident that his denial of Jesus meant that he was not worthy to be one of Jesus' disciples. Like his, his failure was so great, how could Jesus even want to be around Peter? Have anything to do with Peter? But in this encounter, it happens in John 21, in this encounter, rather than bringing condemnation and judgment for Peter, this is what Jesus gives him. He gives him grace. Grace. Grace that forgave Peter's failure. Grace that restored Peter back to right relationship. Grace that brought hope beyond Peter's failure. And I think the great news for us again today is that Jesus' grace is still greater than our failure. Make it personal for you. His grace is greater than your failure. No matter what you've done, no matter what mess you've made of your life, no matter how your failure might, uh, uh, no, bad how, no matter how bad your failure might have been, Jesus' grace is greater than your failure. So again, don't believe the lie of the enemy that says you're disqualified. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says you're out. In this encounter with Jesus, there's hope because what? Grace. His grace is greater than our failure. Because, his, because Jesus' grace was greater than Peter's failure, his failure was not final, but it became a defining moment for his life. Actually, as you read on in the story, you have to go on to into the book of Acts, but it's, it's actually through Peter's failure that he came to a greater awareness of who he was. It's actually through his failure that he really discovered what grace was all about. How many of you know you can hear teachings about grace and teachings about grace and teachings about grace, but until you experience grace? It's one thing to hear about it. It's like you can, you can tell me all day about how wonderful the apple pie was you had for Thanksgiving, but there's a big difference between what you tell me and you actually bringing me a piece of the pie and me tasting it myself. Right? There's a difference between hearing about the grace of God. and Listen, Peter's failure became a defining moment in his life because now he could speak of the grace of God in a way that he couldn't have before. And that it's interesting in this encounter that Jesus took what would have been Peter's greatest failure, his lowest moment, and he turned it for his good and for his future. If you read on in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost when, when the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit was given, guess who it was that preached the sermon in Acts chapter 2? The one who failed, right? 
One who failed in Luke 22 is the one who preaches the first sermon on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. Going into Acts chapter 4, and, and Peter's standing before the religious leaders, the very ones that he had potentially denied knowing Jesus to, and he's standing up, boldly confronting the religious leaders. I'm telling you, Jesus took Peter's failure, and he turned it to a defining moment in his life. Listen, the same can be true in your life. Don't allow failure to have the final word. So one encounter with Jesus and the wonder of his grace can do a 180 in your life. That's what it did for Peter. In your failure, receive God's grace, learn from the failure, and move forward confidently knowing that God has greater days ahead. And just as Jesus encountered Peter in his failure and just as Jesus pursued Peter in his flawed humanity, so he still pursues us and encounters us in our failures today. As in, like Peter, you may have given up on yourself, but again, to hear me, friend, Jesus has not given up on you. You may be thinking your failure is too big or too great, but, but I would want you to know that God's grace is greater than your failure. You may even be thinking that you're disqualified and you're out. But Jesus wants to encounter you. Where? In your failure. So, so what, what can we learn? Let me leave you with just a, a few thoughts of application. What, what can we learn from Peter's encounter with Jesus? I think the first is this. You need to get a new definition of failure. Listen, you may have failed, but you're not a failure. Always remember, failure is an event. It's not a person. Say it again. Failure is an event. Not a person. Failure is not your story. It may be a chapter in your life, but listen, it's not who you are. Failure is actually the opportunity to try again with greater insight. So failure is not who you are. It's simply an experience, an experience you have as you do life. But you have to have a right definition of failure. You're not a failure. You may have failed, you're not a failure. So get the right definition of failure. Secondly, don't allow the failure that you've experienced to paralyze you. In other words, don't camp out in your failure. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, don't camp out in your failure. Go ahead and tell them. Listen, you can't stay there. You don't want to stay there. Don't camp out in your failure. Recently, I was, I was having a conversation with someone and this individual was wrecked by their failure. She had made some wrong decisions that brought some challenging circumstances for her life, but as we talked, what became evident, what became evident for me is that this individual had allowed her failure to paralyze her. In other words, she was stuck. She couldn't see beyond the failure. She couldn't see beyond the, the mistake that she had made. She was not moving forward in her relationship with God. She was isolating herself from healthy community. She was stuck in her failure. And as, as we talked, I, what I helped her do is I helped her get a new definition of failure. And I, I reminded her of the wonder of God's grace. As a result, she was able to move forward out of her failure and into her future. Listen, you can't move into your future if you're paralyzed in your failure, Right? If you're stuck in your failure, you can't embrace the future. Could it be that God would want to use your failure in some way to do greater things, not only in your life, but for his kingdom? That's what he did for Peter. 
That's what he's going to do for this lady that I was having conversation with. So don't allow, don't allow your failure to paralyze you. Listen, hear me today. The accuser of the brethren, Satan himself, would want to paralyze you in your failure. He would want to sideline you. He would want you to believe that you're out. I'm telling you, you're not. Because of the wonder of God's grace. Because of an encounter, an encounter with Jesus. So when you fail and you will, don't allow the failure to paralyze you. What you need to do is receive God's grace and move forward with confidence. What are we going to do? When you fail tomorrow, what what do you need to do? Receive God's grace and move forward with confidence. And when we fail, and again, I'm just convinced it's common for all of us. For myself, it happens. I don't get up in the morning and just say, hey, I'm going to see how bad I can fail today. But because of my flawed humanity, it, it, it happens. And when we fail, what we don't want to do is just sweep it under the rug and pretend that nothing's wrong. That's the wrong way. That's the wrong way to, to deal with failure. What you want to do is you want to own it, take responsibility for it, repent, and receive God's grace and move forward. And I tell you, well, we're going to own it. Take responsibility for it. And repent. Receive God's grace and move forward. You know, 1 John 1, 9, if there's any verse in Scripture that gives us hope, it's this verse says, if we confess our sins, if we confess our failures, he's faithful and just. And he'll forgive us of our sins. He'll forgive us of our failures and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, always remember this. God's grace is greater than your failure. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you may have messed up, God's grace is greater than your failure. Just as as Jesus pursued Peter in his failure, so he's pursuing you in your failure. Just as Jesus restored Peter after his failure, so he will restore you back to right relationship. And just as Jesus dynamically worked through Peter's life after his failure, listen, he'll do the same for you. This is what I'm confident of today. Jesus wants to encounter you in your failure. He wants to free you from the failure and he wants to set you up for a greater future. Then what does Jesus want to do? Really simple. He wants to encounter you in your failure, to free you from the failure, to move you beyond the failure and set you up for a greater future. That's what we see in this encounter with Peter. And Peter's greatest crisis and Peter's greatest struggle and Peter's greatest failure Again, get this picture. Jesus is pursuing him. Not to correct him. Not to judge him. Not to punish him. But to give him grace. To move him beyond the failure to greater destiny and greater future. And what I would submit to you this morning is that's not just the picture for Peter. It can be a reality for you as well. Jesus running to you to reveal his grace for you, to move you beyond that failure to greater destiny. 
Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for this picture I have in my mind of you running toward us maybe when everyone else is running away from us. God, I thank you today that your grace is greater than our failures, greater than our blunders, greater than our mistakes, our mess-ups. I'm grateful today that our failure doesn't disqualify us. But Lord, in the wonder of your grace, even as you did for Peter, you can even work through our failure for our good and the good of your kingdom. Lord, that's amazing. Lord, I thank you for this, this story recorded that reveals the frailty, the, the faultiness of, of humanity. We see that in Peter. And we can so identify with it. And Lord, this beautiful picture of grace, your grace to us today. And I'm just grateful that you're running to us, not from us. With every head bowed and eye closed, possibly possibly you're here today and you've been living in a place of failure. In other words, you did something and you've been paralyzed in that failure. Listen, I've been praying for you before I ever, before I ever got here this morning. Throughout this week, I've been praying for you because I believe the, word, the Lord has a word for you this morning and the word is grace. His grace greater than your failure. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Sometimes it, dealing with our own struggles, our own failure can be a bit intimidating. But you know who you are, watching online, in the balcony on the main floor. You've been stuck in your failure. Listen, God loves you outrageously. Hear me, friend. He's not running from you. He's running to you this morning to restore you. You don't have to stay stuck in that place of failure. Don't, don't believe the lie of the enemy. And there's no condemnation today for those who are in Christ Jesus. Live free. Move beyond the failure to the greater future God has for you. But I, I want to pray for you this morning. Lord, I, I pray today for the two or three or maybe 10 or 12 who are here who've been stuck, they've been paralyzed by something that happened in their past. It's holding them captive. Lord, I pray today that the lie of the enemy would be broken and Lord, that they would be able to receive that of your grace. God, I pray today that they would have this picture in their mind of you running to them to restore them. Lord, even as you pursued Peter and his failure, God, may they know today, Lord, the truth, the reality that you're pursuing them in their failure to restore them. Lord, I pray that even today would be a defining moment, a turning point in their lives as they step out of that place of failure and as they step into greater destiny. Lord, I thank you for a new day and for new freedom and for new life beyond that place of failure. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.